Boys and girls, it is I, Desastrina! Welcome to Tasty Air Bits, the Desastrina podcast. Here we're all about the drag, the art, the trash, and the comedy. <laughs> In my new episode, we have yet another stellar assortment of out of this world contributors. Get your thinking caps on, weirdos, because the theme is science. Or is it science fiction? Maybe science affliction? Anyway, you better pop some Adderalls and start cramming for the test because we start off with Community College Science Teacher Chadka's introduction to weird science and you know how rigorous that can be. I mean, just to apply, you got to have a pulse. Then, we have author Ave Rose with a very dramatic and sexy reading of her darkly psychedelic science fiction story that book. Yes, nerds, science fiction can be very sexy. Then we talk to Lorelai, who was stuck in outer space, floating around in the most ridiculous way, in full geese, no less. Then on to an old school science fiction action adventure starring myself and Foxy Ashway. It's kind of like a radio play. Remember radio? No? Fuck you, millennials! It's kind of like Buck Rogers, or Fuck Rogers, but without the porn. And finally, we talk to our exemplary musical maestro, Dr. Steve-O. They do most of the wonderful music you hear on this podcast, and I'm pretty sure they like science too. So, time to blast off for She, He, and They Blinded Me with Science Fiction. Good luck googling that one! Hello, welcome to your first day of community college science class. I'll be your teacher. With this education, you may not be able to become a doctor or a nurse or someone who can properly resuscitate a squirrel that fell on a telephone wire and landed in your yard. No, what I'll teach you is sizzling hot icebreakers that'll make everyone, the ladies, the ladies, the gentlemen, and the gentlethems, all think, wow, this guy sure is, um, interesting. That is assuming that you get invited to a party. After all, we are at community college. Dolphins! Who loves dolphins? Yeah, you look like the type to collect a dolphin figurine, you friggin' weirdo. Did you know that in a bottle-nosed dolphin's vagina they produce this liquid that makes you cum uncontrollably? I'm not kidding right now, actually. Like, cut the music. The female bottle-nosed dolphin 
has this liquid in its vagina that it can shoot out to get rid of predators, but not only get rid of predators, when they want to get pregnant, they shoot this liquid out on the penis, and it, like, just makes the dolphin come, like, really hard to guarantee pregnancy. Okay, bring up the music. So apparently Harvard scientists used this dolphin pussy jelly and swabbed it on a primate's dick, and it apparently died. It died from coming. It had a literal heart attack. Speaking about flavorful, gelatinous liquids, it's time for a science project. Yogurt. Are you one of the rare humans who actually enjoys yogurt? Yogurt. Well then, this project is for you, baby. Are you losing the respect of your estranged wife, running into financial problems, yeah. and getting in trouble at your job because of your yogurt addiction? Yogurt. Hurry, run to your kitchen, find some milk. My favorite. Pour it in a bowl of your favorite style of yogurt. Yogurt. Oh, I double dog dare you to leave it out overnight, naughty boy. But I can't wait. Because then by morning... You'll have more yogurt. Well, clean up on aisle me. Follow Chedka on TikTok at It's Chedka. I-T-S-C-H-A-D-K-A. And now for a dramatic reading of the short story, That Book, by horror and fantasy author Ave Rose. Also with music by Adam Smith. Veer and Kat had always been an adventurous, experimental couple, and not just with food, music, places, and sex. Veer was an anthropologist and historian. Cat was a chemist and biologist. Both experts in their fields, they weren't your typical adrenaline junkies. They were obsessed with learning, analyzing, experimenting, and documenting the undiscovered. But unlike other pioneers of science, Veer and Cat never publicly shared their findings. They believed their most successful discoveries were obtained by combining mind-altering substances with natural human activities. Their first experience was with salvia, which they smoked while Veer was hard inside of Cat, as they became a seed that grew into vines that wrapped around the planet. They snorted ketamine, then hopped onto a keytar flying through outer space, landed on a warm red planet, and took a romantic walk on brick-colored sands of a solar beach. While Veer gave Cat cunnilingus on moxie, he became a surge of light and she a crystal palace. Every lick was his refraction hitting her walls, creating rainbows. On 2CB, the noise from the subway sounded like an orchestra playing at the Disney concert hall. They tried to eat pizza on acid, but it tasted like candy. And although it was yummy, it just didn't seem right to eat a plate of candy for dinner. Right now, it must sound like a bunch of psychedelic drug trips happening in the heads of two weirdos. Yet if these were all in their heads, how could these individuals be experiencing the same phenomena in the same ways? Both being of scientific minds, they'd already taken into account the power of suggestion. So on their first adventures, they would separate after a trip to write down their journey. Each time their written comparisons were so uncanny, they eventually ruled out that theory. After Veer and Kat had tried every naturally grown and artificially engineered mind-altering substance, they entered the realm of the occult, where they saw potions as an exciting uncharted territory. 
They began with the virgin's blood concoction from an ancient recipe they spent a small fortune obtaining. After preparing and ingesting strictly as directed, both became ten years younger for a week. They presumed the effects would continue as long as they could keep making the concoction, but they weren't interested in eternal youth, so it wasn't worth the trouble. Yes, dancing and mating as their younger selves was amusing, but nothing new. When embarking on this journey, they didn't expect a literal result. They speculated the potion would induce some kind of regression, where they could experience each other as children. However, the discovery that folklore could produce a result that wasn't just mind-altering, but physically altering, changed everything. And now, these two were on a serious hunt for more. Veer and Kat traveled the world acquiring magic potion recipes and their obscure ingredients. Many of these escapades ended up fruitless, or not what they had hoped for. One day, deep in a cave in the Philippines while searching for a rare root, they came upon that book. It was perfectly preserved within a large rock that fell and broke beside Kat. It was written in an ancient Filipino Sanskrit called Babayan that Veer was able to read. For the most part, it did appear to be a book of magic, but to their disappointment, it wasn't one with potions. Veer and Kat never wasted time experimenting with spellbooks. Still, it was a magnificent artifact, so they took it back home. Being Filipino, Kat was jealous that Veer could read Babayan, and she couldn't, so he promised to teach her. Since Babayan was based on Tagalog, Kat's native language, Veer knew she'd learn quickly. For some reason, when they arrived home, they had lost interest in whatever potion they needed the root for, and were both focused on that book. Every page was breathtaking with colorful depictions of animals, including a human. Veer found a page with the spectacular feline and thought it a perfect place to begin Kat's lesson. During this lesson, the words of the incantation were spoken robotically and sporadically as Kat was learning. She caught on much faster than Veer expected, and after a few days, she was ready to read the entire spell aloud. She spoke the words, then morphed into an actual cat. <coughs> Catherine was standing in front of Veer as a cat that was still her size. She meowed at first, but then took a moment and started to speak English. He grabbed that book and did the same to himself. They pummeled each other, spoke cat to one another, tried different foods, leaped around in the parks at night, and of course, fucked like crazy. In a matter of months, they went through that book entirely, changing themselves into every creature they could and used the human spell to turn back into their original forms. They were fascinated and enthralled by the amount of empathy and understanding they gained from every creature they became. Surely this was a magical and wonderful thing. So why did they still hunger for more? And for more of what? At one point, Veer jokingly mentioned that he wanted to become a centaur. That's when Kat had an epiphany. She proposed to Veer that conceivably they could create new spells mixing the incantations from different creatures. Carefully, they started by mixing the horse incantation with the human one to become centaurs. It worked flawlessly. So they went wild, turning themselves into whatever mythical creatures that book had the power to do, from merfolk to minotaurs, even venturing to non-human hybrids such as chimeras. As strange as it seems, this still was not the more these two were craving. There was an annoying common factor in all of these experiences. Though mythical, they were all creatures from Earth. And since they had already transformed into every animal in that book, the hybrids only offered a remix of something they already felt. But what else could they do? 
After years of experimenting with that book, they became quite good at it. They started to feel the power of every word until they both came to the damning realization that the magic wasn't just in the incantations. It was in each word. Veer and Kat devised a plan to carefully select specific words from different spells in that book to create beings never described before, beings not of this earth, perhaps even not of this realm, to experience a physical phenomenon that would surpass the cosmic trips from their psychedelic adventures. Finally, after who knows how long, the words were chosen, the incantation was designed, and they were ready. Veer and Kat chanted the spell together, and this time was different. As their physical bodies began to change, so did their surroundings, so did their thoughts, their souls. The two reached out towards each other as they began to lose what it felt like to be human, losing that connection to Earth, that connection to one another. Because these intrepid lovers were hell-bent on experiencing something that did not exist in this world, they ultimately turned into that which could not exist in this world. So when their transformations were complete, Veer and Catherine vanished into the unknown. Their story with us stops here, because where they went and what they became could never be understood by an earthling mind. This story was published in the fourth issue of Forbidden Futures magazine, but is sold out for more weird fiction for weird people, fully illustrated with vibrantly colorful art by award-winning fantasy artist Mike Dubish. Go to ForbiddenFutures.com and get the next issue now. Published by super sexy Daniel Adnes. Oh... Follow Ave Rose on Instagram at A-V-E-R-O-S-E-1-3. Ave Rose 13. Ooh. And now a word from our sponsors. From Out TV. Do you need release? Scrap. Buckle up, baby girl. The fun's about to begin. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> 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 this here is Crazy Town, and you're the mayor of it! Why does the party always end up in the kitchen? I'm here to probe your black hole. Eat your heart out, bitch. Oh, well, yeah? Yeah! Let's get some fun. I had my heart set on a pizza, though. Fresh as fuck. Mmm, Brace yourself. <laughs> what is this thing? It's a party up in here. Don't be sorry, be better. I'm still the baddest demon around. I'm a sexy yin-yang, motherfucker. Feels like the real thing. <laughs> and me the fuck out. <laughs> Let's fry this bitch. What the fuck thing again? <laughs> <laughs> now on Amazon.com, only $2 each high-death episode. Also available on the OutTV Apple TV channel. Sign up now, the first week is free. And also, also available on demand in the UK and Ireland via the Fruit TV, that's F-R-O-O-T dot TV channel. Use the code DISASTERINE for a free month. Earth to Lorelei, can you hear me? Earth to Lorelei, can you hear me? 
please come in. Disasterina, I've been stuck out here for a number of weeks now. I'm so glad that I could finally get in touch with you. Would you be willing to call NASA for me? Oh yeah, I've got him on speed dial over here. They've cut my line. I've left like a million voicemails. Literally the first one was like, hey, like, oh, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm stuck in space. It has escalated and now the mailbox is full, fully to, I've run out of food on this ship. I've run out of water on this ship. I can't even go pee without it just floating everywhere. I don't know what to do with it. They won't tell me how to flush it. Everybody out there, you heard it first from Lorelei. You think it's all like zero grab sex and everything? No, it's awful up there. They told me they wanted a luxury hotel. I tried to deliver, but honey, have you ever tried making a luxury hotel in space? Uh, that one time. And it did not work out. And you know it didn't work out. It's true, it didn't work out at all. But I'm just curious, whatever happened with your Drag Race Antarctica World Tour with Glacera and the rest of the surviving cast? I don't know if you've been hearing Disasterina, but the franchise has not been going well. What happened? Seasons are getting canceled left and right. No more season tours. No more RuPaul showing up baby pictures of the contestants. And the numbers are tanking, frankly, so bad that they stopped airing the season midway. What? Something about half of the contestants not even being alive and functioning while the cameras are rolling. I was wondering. I was there, and I can tell you, they weren't. What's the big deal? I was just getting like a bar pattern, you know, that colored bar pattern and like a tone. At a certain point, now I know what happened. What is that screen even called? Uh, it has a name, but I forgot. I just call it the bars. The bars. You know what I need, honey? A bar soap. I stink out here. <laughs> okay, let's get into this now. You are actually in space right now talking to us. Unfortunately, yeah, and I can't get back, honey. Did they run out of uh, jet fuel or something up there? Let's just say that it was all an accident in the first place. Me getting to NASA, me getting onto the ship with no one's permission, me taking off with no one's permission, me going out into the space mission, taking everybody on a tour of the luxury hotel, you know, they didn't know about that. So let me just say that they have a situation on their hands where it is Pride Month and there's a drag queen stuck out in space. And I don't care if I went on there with permission or without permission. I am just saying that they have a responsibility to the LGBT community. That's really bad optics. It's terrible optics. There's a drag queen stuck in space and they don't even give a heck. I bet you if Elon Musk got up there and Elon Musk was like, I want to come down. I need to grab a lasso. They would grab a rope. They would just pull it straight back. Or take the space elevator or something. You know, I was looking up at my amateur, I'm an amateur astronomer and I had a telescope and I was looking up at the space station and uh, I saw you floating around in the most peculiar way. Honey, you saw me practicing my choreography for my virtual drag number. I still got to make money. <laughs> but now I don't have my drag. I don't have anything to weigh me down in this zero gravity. So I'm over here trying to lip sync to Shaka Khan looking like I'm performing in water, like I'm doing some sort of synchronized swimming number. I get zero tips for that. It's like, what's the point of me even doing virtual drag at that point? You probably can't even get Bitcoin up there. Honey, don't even get me started on Bitcoin. Have you heard of Dogecoin? It's the people's currency, right? I hate to say this disaster, but have you ever heard of Lorelei coin? I haven't heard of Lorelei coin. Are you starting a new currency? <sighs> it's been on my mind. Ever since I've been stuck up here, I'm realizing I have no money. And the government isn't going to print more without being a big bitch baby about it. And frankly, I'm kind of tired of having to work on everyone's dollar. So I'm deciding 
what if I made my own currency? Lorelei, Lorelei, Lorelei coin. Is it Lorelei, Lorelei, Lorelei coin or Lorelei coin? No, I kind of forgot my own name for a second. <laughs> so I had to repeat it three times just so I could remember. But what about like Laura coin? Well, you know, um... Sounds like you're not too enthusiastic. The thing is, I jumped on the Dogecoin bandwagon because of Elon Musk and everything. And then, you know, it went into a negative percentage. So it's like negative 350,000%. And my virtual money is like in the crapper right now. I know you wanted Elon Musk instead of me on your show. I know Elon said no. You told me a million times. Full disclosure, it's true, it's true. Elon couldn't make it for the show, so I hired you. Elon's not responding to the email, so I'm trying to get you. I know you're in space. Can you please be on the show? I get it. You want Elon Musk more than me. Trust me, so does NASA. I am telling you right now, if I was Elon Musk, I would be on Earth. But guess what? I'm not Elon Musk. My name is Lorelai. I'm the first non-binary person to ever go to space, and they won't bring me back. And I think that says something. You're getting the shaft. Whatever happened to supporting local artists? I know. I'm not so local anymore. Okay, let's go back a little bit. NASA invited you to do a resort in space. Was it going to be on the moon or in low Earth orbit or something? Disaster, I don't know if you know, but climate change is very real. This is something that I've learned being in Antarctica, honey. The ice caps are melting. I've seen it with my own eyes. We don't have much time left, obviously, and so NASA is wisely trying to invest in post-Earth plans and asked me, as an entrepreneur and an artist, to design the first luxury resort on the moon. Mm, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Here I was trying to set a five-star luxury experience. I wanted something that had the taste of the St. Regis, but was a little bit more modern, a little bit more chic, a little bit more for the kids. Okay. But also for the parents. I wanted something for people who are single, but also people who are in families. I wanted something for people who wanted to come and relax, but I also wanted to make something for people that wanted to come and party. I was trying to make it all happen. Actor, singer, dancer, model. Astronaut. Space cadet. Those are called space cadets. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll call it space cadet. That's fine. Anyway, my whole point was I, you know, was just trying to shoot for the moon and land in the stars. And guess where I am now? You're just floating around in a tin can. I, I shot for the moon and, and landed in the stars a little too literally. Mm. I shot on the moon. It's interesting. You are kind of like uh, an accidental space tourist, right? You know, the good way to look at this is, you know, most space tourists, they go into orbit and they have to spend millions of dollars to get there. And with you, you didn't have to pay a dime. So you are up floating around the Earth, three million miles an hour, for free though. So it's not that bad, right? You're going where no queer has ever gone before. One small step for Queen. One big step for queen dumb kind. One small death drop for humanity. One giant wig reveal for alien kind. Was that it? It was something weird. Like, one small death drop for humans. Something really weird, right? Like, and that's why people thought it was fake. It was like, why would he say that? So anyway, the resort never got going. You're just like flying around. Do you have to eat all your food from those like plastic tubes? 
Well, this whole ship that I got sent on, it has like all the classic bells and whistles of a spaceship, but they're trying to update and modernize a lot of the facets of space cadet living. So NASA did a collaboration with Buffalo Wild Wings where they made freeze-dried wings. And usually astronauts in the 60s, they were given like freeze-dried beef or freeze-dried chicken. And I'm eating freeze-dried wild, wild teriyaki wings. Wow, that sounds really, really disgusting. We've got to do something to get you back. You know, we just got to figure something out. Maybe we can get like a Kickstarter or something going to get you home. Or like one of those uh, WeFundMes or something. How much do you think it's going to cost for me to get back home? Millions of dollars. But maybe you could pay with Lorelei coin. Now you're really starting to kick up the gears in my head. But then my thing is like, why raise the money? And this is exactly what I was saying. Why don't we just print more money? That's what they usually do. If all these people are like, I don't have any money, why don't we just print more? Mm -hmm. And don't tell anyone. What's the big deal? Well, this is a good plan. Okay, I'm going to start up Lorelei Coin here on Earth. And all these idiots will dive in there and say it's, you know, it's the queer currency. We get the gay stockbrokers. Well, Elon Musk is going to be into this for sure. He's not gay, but definitely he'll be into it. Well, you know, he'll do anything for more market share. I mean, he even went on SNL. Yeah, isn't it sick? Come on. He will do anything. He will. It's true. And I think Lorelei Coin could be like really the next big thing. You know what? You do that. You get to Elon. I'm going to tweet Grimes. Try to get the other way in, you know? She'd be really into that, first of all. Drag Queen Stuck in Space, that's like her next album title, essentially. Yes. But I'm thinking, yeah, I go through her, you go through Elon, we kind of get them both onto Lorelei coin, boom, it goes out from there. That is a fucking fantastic plan. You know, uh, I just thought of something. We can't have you come back down because then the stock prices are going to plummet. Mm. So unfortunately, you're going to have to stay up there for a while until we cash in. Sorry about that, but uh, maybe we can send some other people up there to keep you company. Um, are you a bottom or a top? I'm versatile, but I need you to send the entire group of the Venga Boys. The Venga Boys? I am on the verge of having my mind implode out here because I've been out here for so long. And the only thing, do you understand me? The only thing that is going to get me any sort of sanity, any sort of semblance of reality, any sort of taste of hope that I get to come home one day is that I see the Vega Boys. Does prep work in microgravity? Fortunately, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, you know, uh, I feel really bad for you, but we do have a good plan started up here. And if it makes you feel any better, I could sing a little song. Only if I can give you a poem in return. Okay. All right, you first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ground control to Lorelei. Ground control to Lorelei. Take your protein shake and put your makeup on. Ground control to Lorelei. 
chicken cutlet earbuds on Check the wiggle and Meru's love come through <laughs> This is grand control to Lorelei Your pussy is really on fire And the TikTokers want to know whose highlight are you wearing? Now it's time to leave the Kiki if you dare. This is Lorelai to ground control. I'm sashaying through the door. I'm sitting my spacewalk in the most peculiar way. My lace front, it look very different today. That's all, yeah. Disaster or not, cancel the Vanga Boys and get on a ship out here. I need you by my side, serenading me, because that brought me back. I'll do it because I love you and I love science. Can I give you a poem for that? I'm literally on the verge of tears right now. I'll try not to cry, but I want to give you a poem. Bring it. This is an acrostic that I wrote while I was in space. So, H is for, how did I even get out here? This place is really crazy. E is for, everyone knows a lot about space, but doesn't know a lot about being in it. L is for, lots to see out here, but also not lots of people to be with. Very lonely. P is for, please, please, please. M is for, might as well do my friend Disasterina's podcast because it's not like I'm going to be doing anything else out here in space. And E is for, Elon Musk can't do the show. He will never do the show because he is Elon Musk. And unless you get him to sell Lorelei coin, he won't, probably will not ever be on the show. Do you know what that spells, Disasterina? Mm, I'm not sure. Spells H-E-L-P-M-E. Help me. Sweetie. Oh, okay. It's that bad that you're making poems with the first letter of every line spells out something that you really need. It's that bad. Okay. It, it's that bad. I'm, I'm writing the poetry anthology. You told me not to write. It's that bad. Mm. Wow. You know, you, you remember that? You said, I said, I want to write that romantic poetry anthology. I want to release all my, you know, all my heart's desires onto the world. You said, do not do that. R- romance poetry is dead, period. Wow. You really laid it on me and laid it on everybody out there. They're so concerned out in podcast land about you right now. But don't worry. We're going to get that Lorelei coin going. We need to get you safely here on Earth on your two feet again. And just a little warning. Once you get back down here, your legs are going to be a little wobbly because being in space for so long. They were already really wobbly as it was. That's true. I mean, that's what I hear. Well, I can't wait to walk worse. Well, Lorelai, do you have any final words? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to queer people and femmes who work in STEM. Um, It is not easy. Trust me, I'm starting to realize that firsthand. Follow Lorelai on Instagram at YesLorelai. Don't ask me how to spell it. But here's a hint. It has lots and lots of vowels in it. 
now for Disasterinu, Evil Space Conqueror, starring Foxy Ajway and me. It's 75 million Earth years ago in the Orion Cygnus arm of the Milky Way galaxy. Galactic Conqueror and evil despot Disasterino is leading her fleet of Tesla Roadster-shaped battlecruisers to the planet Tijiak. Commander Faxulu, was there any complications in loading the trillions of comatose aliens into the space armada? Well, some of them started to wake up. So the android psychiatrist we hired had to mesmerize them again. Uh, I knew those lazy space psychiatrists would foul things up. I hope they don't expect overtime because they should have had that shit handled. Well, at least they got all those aliens into our giant space roadster. My main worry was that phony tax scheme. I thought it was the dumbest idea, but they pulled it off somehow. I mean, who would consent? to getting a guided meditation during a surprise tax inspection. Idiot aliens in the trillions. That's who. The alcohol glycol roofies, though. You misunderestimate the stupidity of the common alien creatures of this galactic quadrant. Too much radiation in their DNA. Know what I mean? That's true. Setting up an alien civilization in the wake of a black hole plasma jet wasn't the smartest thing ever. They kept claiming it would put hair on their chests. Stupid, right? Or filaments on their tentacles? Something like that. But it just turned their gray matter into mush. I'm so glad you're doing something about the overpopulation crisis. Exalted despot Disasterino. Finally, someone with a real visionary approach is tackling this problem. Thank you, my faithful minion. I mean, it sucks that I have to do everything myself, but I see it as a public service. I'm very happy we're thinning out the herds and the hordes. All these creatures are so needy, so smelly, and so repugnant. Blech. Yeah. I hear you. Those freaks always causing problems. Making too much infrared radio noise, mind melting in public, and all that. We need to attend to the health of the Galactic Empire. And we all know the healthiest entities are the elite, like us. And I'm not just saying that because of the robot body that replaced my dying flesh. I mean, before that, at one point, I was like doing 15 pull-ups a day. And, you know, I tried to limit carbs the best I could. And I got lots of sleep. It's tough to stay fit, though. When you're warping through the wormhole, that's why I use the salad patch. Does that really work? Just slap it on and absorb two salads a day without even thinking about it. My doctor says I need more fiber. Do they have a lentil patch? No, but do a microchip instead. I don't know, too many chips, it goes straight to my love handles. I hear you. Anyway, how close are we to Earth, or TGAC, or TP Stack, or Elonville, or whatever the fuck they're calling it these days? A whole bunch of parsecs still. Cannot wait to enact my evil plan. Uh, wait. We have a warning signal. A local disturbance has been detected by our- Oh, this stupid thing. It's always under Fritz. Ah, that should do it. I think it's a bad fuse, or a piece of gum stuck in the wiring. 
You sure about that? I mean, it looks like a warp signature. Ugh, you worry too much. Listen, nothing could harm this ship. It's made of impenetrable nanofibers and graphene. And if you don't know what that is, you should look it up on YouTube. Not even a supernova could cause a scratch on this battlecruiser. Now, don't you want to hear my evil plan? It's a really, really evil plan. Uh, sorry, my exalted leader, but what was the plan again? I just defrosted out of cryo yesterday, so still cleaning out the cobwebs all up in here. Don't worry, I don't mind explaining it again just because it's so masterful and devious and evil. <laughs> it's brilliant, really. Next level evil genius shit. So when we get to GGAG or TG Stack or Earth or whatever, we unload all the trillions of comatose aliens and stand them up around the bottom of the biggest volcanoes on Earth. Then when I give the signal, they all start to sing Run the World by Beyonce exactly at the same time. Um, was there DMT in your breakfast burrito? Because you talking like a space cadet. There are just so many levels of what the actual fuck in that plan. First off, how are you gonna get them all to sing Run the World at the same time? The space psychiatrist implanted the instructions and the lyrics in their unconscious minds. And if they actually did their job right, should be no problem. So the trillions of voices in unison amplified by the volcanoes will cause a harmonic convergence in the planet's atmosphere, which will spontaneously transform the atoms in the planet to create an undestroyable crystalline structure a billion times stronger than diamonds, which is fully programmable, just like a quantum computer. The, what the, a planet-sized quantum computer! An indestructible Beyonce Battlestar. Good luck, rest of the Milky Way galaxy, trying to defeat that shit! And what happens to the aliens? They explode and then get absorbed. Better than a family of chibbles in a microwave. <laughs> it's like the Borg meets Alderaan, but better. And the Earthlings? I guess they get absorbed too. I don't know. I didn't check the manual. <laughs> You're a true evil genius. I'm an artiste, bitch. And the galaxy is my canvas. <laughs> This singularity, get it, singularity, will be my greatest masterpiece. Or maybe masterpiece, right? Sublimely, absurdly, exquisitely, beautiful annihilation. What's going on? Girl, I told you, it really was a warp signature and not chewing gum. We have three ships attacking us. What? This is an outrage! Are they from the Loyal Officer's fleet? Bet. Looks like they're trying to separate our battle roaster from the rest of the convoy. Use regenerative braking! Copy that. Turn on ludicrous mode! We'll lick these simps! Deadass. Ludicrous as fuck. <laughs> Ah, 
I put the tinted bundle shows up too. Work. Okay, stupid loyalists. You think you can prevent me from transmutating a trillion roofing aliens? Well, try again. Eat my angel dust. What? You hold it? Oops, I meant space dust. Fire! Firing now! Blast them! I'm blasting them, okay? Blast them harder! Don't worry, I'ma fuck them up. What the fuck was that? I don't know, Commander. Holy space farts, Batman! They've magnetized our ship together! They're gonna do a hostile takeover and board this bitch! Fuck! A hostile takeover? Where's Elon Musk when you really need him? Cash in that Grimes coin and buy us out, why won't you? Wait! A 1960s Batman reference? What, are you my grandma at Comic-Con? Okay. I went on this YouTube rabbit hole last night. Sorry. But maybe focus a bit here, Commander. We're about to be boarded. Ah, it's looking dire as shit right now. There's only one thing that can save our ships and repel these insipid marauders. Fatsulu. Release protocol 3.0. Or is it 3.1? No, it's 3.0. AKA the secret weapon. Ah. Oh. You sure about that, Commander? I'm sure. It's the only way. Engage, number one. Make it so. Right. Now who's using outdated references, Captain Picard? Sorry, sorry, but that bald pointy head is so sexy. Just do it. Here we go. Hold on to something. <laughs> Will our despotic anti-heroes succeed in evading a hostile takeover by the Loyalist officers? Will they then enact their devastatingly evil plan to create a Beyonce battle star? Tune in to the next podcast for the exciting conclusion to Disasterinu, Evil Space Conqueror. Follow Foxy Ajue on Instagram at F-O-X-I-E-A-D-J-U-I-A. I got it. And now a word from our sponsors. Art prints, ephemera, t-shirts, stickers, apparel, badges, greeting cards, paintings, jewelry, enamel pins, accessories, plenty of fun stuff for you and your stupid friends. <laughs> This is Bird the Mushroom Noom. You are listening to the Tasty Earbuds Podcast. Help support our endeavor by joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash coastlets on fire. One word. I'm Snorkelbert the Mushroom Gnome. The Mushroom Gnome, the Mushroom Gnome, the Mushroom Gnome, the Mushroom Snorkelbert, the Mushroom Gnome, the Mushroom Gnome, the Mushroom Gnome.
so much. Merci, 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 merci. Bonjour, Disasterina. Thank you so much for doing all the wonderful music for my funny little podcast. Uh, it's actually the best podcast ever. So, you know, it's, uh, it's an honor for me. So, so, so good, so good. I didn't want to say so, so I'm glad you said so. <laughs> No, it is really so good. It's uh, so much fun. First, it's it's always fun, and um, all your guests are always amazing. I, I've, I, yeah, I've discovered so many people. It's, it's great. Thank you for your great podcast. Any old time, and you know, people out there are listening to your beautiful, beautiful music on every episode, and they're like, "Who is that wonderful musician who is doing this awesome music? When did you start doing music?" Well, I started um, many moons ago. <laughs> I moved from Paris to London and I started in a rock band. And then I think four years ago, I left the band and I moved to Oxford, which is like an hour from London, you know, Alice in Wonderland and all this stuff. <laughs> the impression I get of Oxford is that it's just one big college. Yes, because actually all the unis, they're all different unis, you know, and if you've seen um, Harry Potter, it, it is Oxford because a lot of a lot of it has been shot in uh, Oxford. So Oxford is Harry Potter just grown up? Yeah. Does everybody wear a uniform? The British things to wear uniform. And there's a lot of uni and students when they're not drunk in the street. <laughs> you didn't move for drunk people in the street, did you? No, I have some friends who are still living in uh, Oxford and I, I wanted to, to move out of England. And they, they asked me, they said, oh, just come and check Oxford. And uh, I loved it and I stayed. So you grew up in Paris? Yes, I'm French. I'm French Caribbean. So I grew up in Paris. I was born in Paris. And I, uh, I fell in love with a uh, really young with bands like The Q and The Pichemont. They're really famous in, in, in France, you know. Uh, so Suzy and Banshees and Sister of Mercy, all this stuff. Uh, so I always had a connection with the British music. So I moved to, to England and it's a great place for music. When you started doing music, were you doing it very young or is it like a, when you were an adult? Yes, I started really late. I was at uni. I was studying philosophy and I met a friend. I've just started playing bass and um, we decided to, to make music together. And two years later, we moved to, to London and um, I've, he moved, my friend moved to squat. So I, I used uh, to, to squat a lot for nearly 10 years in, in London was a great time because it gave me a lot of time. I didn't have to pay rent, so I didn't have to work much. So I had a lot of time to play and make music. And I started with drum machine. So my friends were going to raves or, or were like the, uh, DJing stuff. I always love electronic music. So it's it's always been a part, uh, something that I like electronic music because of the sound of the atmosphere, different atmosphere that you can create. And that's what I'm doing now. You were living in a squat. In many squats. And going to raves. This sounds like the ultimate situation <laughs> for any musician in the whole world. You know, in America, there's no such thing as squats because, you know, real estate people are too powerful. So if you go live in something that's abandoned, you're immediately going to be thrown out of there or killed or something. But in England, it's a different story. Well, it was legal to squat up until before the, the London Olympics because uh, they realized that they could make a lot of money with the empty places, so they changed the law. And then uh, they 
cleaned a lot of squats. So now it's illegal, but up to before the London Olympics, it, it was legal. So it was it was amazing time. It was great time. I, I I'm really happy and glad that I've I've lived this. Um, the last times of this uh, great life because some of my friends, uh, they're more than friends, the people I, I squat with, we, we're still family, you know, even if most of them are not in uh, England anymore, but we're still so close because of the the way we, we used to to live and um, we used to, you know, like to go to shops and, uh, and take the food that shop were throwing away and people were like, oh my God, what are you doing? But now, you know, it's illegal to do that. But we were doing this like, you know, many years ago and why, you know, there's so much food who got thrown away for, for no reason. So there's a lot of things and alternative way to, to live. And that's what I've learned from living in a squat. You know, that's, you know, it's not what people say or the government say that you need to act, but sometimes you can find an alternative and a better alternative. So you're living in a DIY alternative way. It sounds like maybe you're also doing music in a DIY alternative way. Definitely, yes. The reason why I decided to call myself Dr. Steve is because when I was in the band, there's a lot of opportunity I couldn't get because some people of the band, some member of the band didn't want to come and play and blah, blah, blah. So for me as Dr. Steve, if I play with, because I have musicians who are playing with me, as well, like live, when I play live sometimes, or I can play on my own. Uh, but as Dr. Stivo, I if I want to, to make a chill track, if I want to make a dark track, if I want to make anything, I'm not, you know, limited to anything. So it's really open to my mood and I can go and play in a lot of places. And I don't want to limit myself to anything. You say you do live events. Mm-hmm. How different is that from the music that you do now? You asked me, I, I remember a few years ago, if I had instrumental music. And at the same time, I was making instrumental music and some of them like were picked up to... I don't even know where they get played. I don't know if it's apps or shops or stuff like that. Uh, so I developed this and... Because for me, it's, when I sing, it's uh, I have a specific voice, so you know it's usually kind of dark <laughs> tracks, you know, like when I sing. But but I like other type of music. So when I don't sing, I, for me, it's freer. So I've got the instrumental stuff and the stuff where I play with more instruments um, and musician. Usually when I sing, uh, so it's either I play bass or when I sing, or everything is electronic. Now I've got. Uh, what she was called like a launch pad. And lately I've done a, a live with some visuals that like you are on the visuals and other great uh, artists like uh, Maxi Glamour and... Uh, Love Maxi Glamour. Such a nice person and other uh, drag kings as well, you know, like, I don't know if you heard about the Sleazy Manzini. And, uh, I have. <laughs> I know them intimately, an intimate friend. You two guys are, are, are such a great couples, uh, amazing, both of you. And uh, Adamo as well from uh, from England. I want more and more to do some live things when I'm just playing in the dark and I have some visuals, some visuals of other artists and I'm trying to be as um, uh, as open as, uh, you know, as I can and uh, inclusive as I can, you know, with like trans people and uh, trans men, trans women, drag kings, drag kings and, and you know, POC uh, artists. You say that you sometimes you play with other people and then you do visuals. So what is it like to go see Dr. Stevo live? 
Well, it depends where you, you're seeing me at the moment. Because of the COVID, that's why I've developed a lot of instrumental things because I couldn't play with my uh, <laughs> with my friends, you know, we because of the the COVID and the lockdown. So I, I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to play on my own and uh, and develop that. And um, like n- next week, I'm, I'm playing in London. It's uh, an after party for Family Pride. So I, I think I'm playing before some cabaret things. So you just take your setup, your electronic instruments and your bass and your microphones and your projector and then you go do it DIY in front of people? Yes, the best thing for me is that I can have a gig with my phone, my laptop and my lunch pad because as a musician, I'm tired of, you know, carrying <laughs> right. my uh, my bass. Everything for me, I, I reduced it as, as simple as that. You know, I can have a, a small bag and plug it and play. So it's for me, it's easier. I'm playing as well next next month in some um, anime and gaming cons as well. Ooh. Yes, I, I love this kind of things as well. So I, I think this weekend I'm going to record a video, live video with some Japanese anime in the back as well. So you mentioned something about the visuals though. When you do a live show, you have visuals. How do you do that? I uh, take the p- a picture of someone or uh, the next one going to be some uh, artwork from some friend of mine and I put some effect on it and everything is moving. It really depends on the music. I'm trying to have a connection like the, um, the anime that I'm going to have for, for visual are my favorite an- anime or even some new anime that I discovered from... Um... Foxy, Foxy as way. Yeah. Foxy Way had a really thorough anime guy. Just blew my mind. I had no idea that Foxy knew that much about anime. Yes, I, I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> so I used to organize an art exhibition with uh, music. Ooh, I think you know it, it's great to create a night atmosphere for the people. So when you have visuals, you have a projector. I usually ask the venue if... Oh, okay, good. So that's how you can keep it DIY and that's how you can get on the subway and go and do it. If they have one. Otherwise, yeah, I have to bring one. The main thing for me now is to play in the dark and to have a visual. Well, that sounds super duper fun. There's a couple of songs I've heard recently with your voice and the only reason I didn't put them here on the podcast is that... You know, we like to have music sort of in the background. Also, because, you know, you sing in French. Not a lot of our fans uh, listen who are from France and know what you're saying. So that's why when somebody out there, they go to buy, let's say, one or go to Spotify and listen to your song. What is the most recent thing? So I have a, a new album coming out in July. I want it to be released on the 14th of July because it's Bastille Day. But is that the French Independence Day? It's the revolution. Oh, that's when they chopped off the heads of Louis the Seventeenth or whatever, right? Yes. Okay. Exactly. They deserved it. So uh, <laughs> I'm a citizen, not. Uh... Oh, you're still a citizen of France. You're not a, an English citizen. Yes, I'm not a subject. I'm a citizen. <laughs> Good. I like that better. Who wants to be a subject when you can be a citizen? Well, a lot of people actually, you know, love love this family. I'm not going to mention the, that family, but you know, they they come and see them, and I think it's um, they represent what I hate the most in in the world. It's um, I think we should all have a chance, you know, in the world, regardless of our of our origin, of our race, of our you know uh, gender. And I think what this family and some family represent are total opposite of what I believe in. I totally agree. Any elite family 
is going to be very conservative and very backward. It's weird, you know, I don't understand the attraction to any royal family because, first of all, they're all inbred and they're so elitist and gross. So I don't get it. But I'm glad that you don't have to kiss the ring. I'm glad you're still a citizen of France. Oh, yes. And um, I mean, you know, what attracted me in England is more the punk, you know, movement. There's a lot of nice British artists that I've I had the chance to meet. Could you name a couple? I would suggest everybody like to, to check the Mutoid Waste. Mutoid Waste. Yes, they're doing amazing sculpture, uh, like robots and stuff, and they, they're huge. And uh, I think some of them did some uh, Mad Max movies and stuff like that. It's amazing. I've seen uh, some of the exhibition, and uh, I think some of them are not even living in England anymore, but uh, some of them are here. Totally alternative. And it's in the same spirit as Banksy, you know, it's all like alternative. Uh, Nick. Nick Diesel is a friend of mine, a musician. DJ BPM, she's a DJ. Penny Metal as well, she's also a DJ, a British DJ. She's playing uh, Eastern European music. There's a lot of uh, really interesting British artists. I will check them all out. So now, let's see, what are your plans for the future? I am setting up an organization, a community that I call Squat. Hmm. And Squat means social queer united artist temple so what um, i am doing is setting up a website and then some events we're gonna have some um, so promoting any queer or queer friendly artist anything from uh, you know music to any any artist and uh, i want to have a, a type of uh, there will be a youtube channel uh, there will be hopefully some of your things there and some of uh, Avi Rose as well. Ooh. I want to promote and to set up uh, some queer-friendly space and also turn it into a well-being space as well because some of my friends are either um, psychiatrists and things like that, you know, so we're trying as well to help people with their mental health as well. You're so optimistic. That's why I love you. Uh, first of all, I love the music. <laughs> There's just something about you that's very open. And, you know, a lot of artists and musicians, they're not always open like that. They keep things close to their vest, maybe, or they're maybe a little afraid, or they're maybe a little arrogant or whatever, but not you. You are always out there promoting the right stuff. You're promoting queer projects, you're promoting queer music, and you're trying to be very, very inclusive. So we all really appreciate that. And when I say we, everybody who knows you and everybody who listens to you, I applaud you and everybody else should applaud you for all your fine work. And I really love how we have found each other. Now we're kind of like working partners. Yes, it's great. Yes, great. It's not just like, oh, I'm using this person's music. You are an important part of this podcast and you're on every one. And we love that you are part of our podcast. I'm so honored, you know, and I'm so glad that you're back with uh, My Drag is Valid. The last one with Dusk was so, Dusk is amazing artist. I mean, you, you always have some amazing, amazing uh, guests. And, uh, that's, Dusk uh, is really amazing and an amazing musician as well and a as well, music yeah. producer. Mm -hmm. You know what? Here's a suggestion. Maybe you should do a little collab with Dusk. I think I'm going to do the same. I'm going to ask the same and we're going to do a song together or something. Yes, I, I, you know, I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna happen because for me, all your guests, you know, I, I'm sure are, are people I could, you know, uh, spend time with, and I think we all have the same mentality, you know. 
we're all really mental. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, we have the same mentality. We have to, you have to, you know. <laughs> Do you have any final words you would like to say? Well, just um, thank you for listening and enjoy your life and appreciate others, you know. And everybody has a story. So listen to everybody. It's fine. There's, there's no space for all of us. Well, that is a perfect way to end our little interview. Thank you so much, Dr. Steve-O. Thank you for having me. I see you soon, I guess. <laughs> Thank you so much to all my contributors. I love you so much. Mm, sassy grunting. Music for the podcast by Dr. Stevo. Go to drstevo.com. D O C T O R S T E E V O.com. If you want to help this podcast out, please, please, please do so. Go to patreon.com forward slash coastless on fire, one word, and just uh, drop a few green bags for us so we can keep on going. We can buy some like 3D old soup or something. <laughs>